If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. I'm here with a special guest today. Tina, thank you for being with me. This is Tina Johnson. You are a Kaysville resident. I am. Right? Yep. And really importantly right now for this conversation is you are the librarian at Centennial Junior High. I am. Tell us a little bit about your experience and just kind of introduce yourself. Okay. Um, my husband has been a lifelong resident of Kaysville, and we met, he graduated, we ended up leaving, we met at BYU, and um, and I'm from the East Coast. But we ended up um, leaving Utah because there just wasn't work for him available here. Um, we lived in New York State and Ohio for about 14, 15 years and then moved back. So we've been back for the last 19. It'll be 19 oh. in August. So we've lived here in Kaysville. Um, we came back with our five children and they've all graduated from Davis High, which is funny to it me. It is so funny. That's such a big deal in Kaysville. I know. To know well, that you got those, so funny those because, you know, my husband, of course, graduated from Davis High, his brothers. And right. um, so it was just funny to me to, like, live someplace where my children now are graduating from the same high school that their dad went to. And our first, the first, uh, like, back to school night we went to with our son, who, our oldest son, who was a ninth grader when we moved here at Kaysville elementary my husband was like he keep leaning over and be like i had him as a teacher oh really (laughs) (laughs) that's great and i think one of the teachers had told the kids one time don't tell me that i taught your grand your grandparents i don't want to hear it but (laughs) (laughs) so funny so we've loved kaysville i love kaysville i I, I do too everything about kaysville is wonderful we've loved our neighborhood We've loved the schools. We've loved everything about it. People ask me, what's so special about Kaysville? What would you suggest is the most special thing? Um, I think it's just a feeling. Like, Kaysville just has a really nice feel to it. Um, people, of course, the people, you know, like, our neighbors are fabulous. We've just loved everything about it. I think it's a community that really cares about others and tries to like be their best. I agree. And we just have a really good, strong base, basis for relationships here. I mean, people are really connected. Whether or not they're, rel- they're related, right. they're still very connected, just yes. as friends, neighbors, coworkers. You know, I love that. My youngest, who is 20 now, when she was about five, Um, primary children's called and wanted me to do a survey. And it really made me reflect on this survey. They asked a lot of questions about our neighborhood and would my five-year-old have a neighbor that they could go to if there was a problem? Would my five-year-old know their neighbors and stuff? And um, it was really comforting to be able to say, oh, absolutely. My my five-year-old knows all our neighbors and would be able to seek help if she needed that from anyone. And so 
I've reflected on that many times as I love my neighborhood and I love the people around me and stuff. Yeah. I completely agree with you. It just, it feels, it's a safe community. We yes. were voted the number two safest community in Utah. Nice. Which, very recently, which is fabulous because we love that about our city. And and I do love the fact that we know we know our neighbors. Yes. We, we see people at the at church, at school, at the grocery store. Absolutely. Community events. And, and there's just this feeling of really being friendly and being kind. So it's a good place to live. And we have loved the community events that have been here oh, in Kaysville, like the Easter egg hunt, things like that. You know, that's, that's really our good. family has taken advantage of those. And one of our daughters actually lives in Kaysville now too oh, with really? her family. So I love that. So now we're multi-generational. Right, we have see? my husband's parents, us, and now my, and now your daughter, my and... daughter and her husband. That's fantastic. That's a wonderful um, testament to what a great community we have. And you not only have you lived here for a long time, you're very involved in the community. So we're going to talk about Youth Court because that's awesome. But let's talk about the library first. Okay. How long have you worked at Centennial Junior High? So I've been at Centennial for four years. I've been a librarian now for eight. So I started out in um, Woods Cross area as an elementary librarian. And then when Case Creek Elementary opened up, I came over and I got to do Case Creek Elementary for three years and then decided that um, I wanted to do the things. I wanted to be a junior high um, librarian or secondary librarian. So in our district, secondary librarians are teachers. So I had to go back to school and get my teaching certificate. I didn't know that. And I had to go back to school and um, get my endorsement. So I had a total of like 14, 15 classes that I had to take in order to be able to be considered a highly qualified librarian, librarian. In, our, in our district. That is something that I'm really glad you're sharing with people. Yeah, I don't think because they I don't understand think people realize the, um, the qualifications the and the qualifications. Because um, I do teach a lot, so I can totally see the need for being um, a teacher and to have some of those skills, mm -hmm. those pedagogy skills, in order to um, be effective at that. I've had, I've even had people ask me if librarians are volunteer moms. Not that that's a bad oh, thing, and that's not yeah. at all. We love our volunteers, but I think it's really good for people to know that you have to be very skilled. Yes, to run a library. Yes, in Davis County, especially. There's so much involved to running a library that it's not just sitting there waiting for people to come in and pick out a book or even just to recommend books. There's collection development. There's a budget that I have to follow. So I'm looking very carefully at what books I'm putting in. I'm looking at data um, for what kids are reading, um, things like that. So I'm always data-driven as far as like what I'm trying to put in the library. I'm always That's looking for holes. Like collection development is a huge whole class. Collection <laughs> in, development. Oh, and it's explain own. what yeah. kind of that means to so us. So that means like what books we're deciding to put into the library, okay. right? Um, if I go and I go through and like in my nonfiction section and I'm looking to see like what kind of holes do I have? What do kids maybe need? What do teachers maybe need? And is that are your decisions based upon curriculum? Yes. That curriculum you okay. and holes that I think like need to be filled. Like I see like I have nothing in a certain section. I'm like, well, maybe we need to like beef that up so that that information is available for students. Okay. So as you're purchasing these books and reviewing them, is there a process that you go through or are you 
independently able to make most of the decisions? Um, there is a process. Um, we have some new policies that, um, so it's not completely my own decision. Um, but I, I do the whole process and then I give my book selections to a committee who okay. then just go through and are making sure that all of the books that I'm going to purchase fit in the sensitive materials law, right? Like that's all they're really looking at. Okay. Um, and then they give the okay. So it's like a second layer, like a two-factored authentication oh, type Oh, okay. Thing, that makes right? sense. Right. So then they're just looking to make sure that I haven't missed anything. And are their decisions based upon where do they get their marching orders from? Is it the district? Is it the... Yes. And so the, we had training from the district. And basically, they're just looking at the law and then looking to see to make sure that the books that I'm putting in the library follow, follow. the sensitive materials law. Okay. That was passed what was that two sessions two ago. sessions ago yeah i'm not really familiar with the law i mean we've heard a lot of lately in the news yeah about yeah. books and choices and stuff but can you expand a little bit on that sensitive materials law? i'm not asking i don't mean to put oh, you on the spot yeah. i don't expect you I to mean, be an expert i don't have it in front right, of me exactly. but it is it is um you know just at and they took the pornography laws okay. and then fitted it into to, to actually be library books or materials in school in general. Okay. Does that make sense? Right. And so, sort of a decency sort of yes, law. Okay. Yeah. Pornography specifically, right? Okay. Like anything um, that would be overly sexual. Yes, would be overly sexual. Okay. Yeah. It's hard to like explain. Right. right. I mean, we, I, most of us. Yeah. I th listening would would understand what that means generally speaking yeah. as okay so this is this is a really interesting discussion and i'm really glad that you wanted to come and talk to me about this because i think a lot of people as parents we i remember going to the library as a kid i don't remember seeking out books my parents told me not to read except that there was one i think i was in fifth or sixth grade and my mom said you cannot no matter what read catcher in the rye Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and of course I wanted to read it just because she was so adamantly against it. So as parents, and you probably wouldn't have even known about I, it I would if not she have, hadn't even right. said anything. I, and honestly, it's probably not a book you would have picked up. No, because it's older, mm -hmm. and it wouldn't have been in the like well, the section that fifth graders are really in. Or, or maybe I was stuff. in sixth yeah. grade, but I remember yeah. being pretty young. Yeah, and or maybe I was even in junior high. It's been a while. I'm kind of getting old, but. <laughs> But I do remember her saying, don't read Catcher of the Rye. And so I wanted to read it. And then Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. That oh, was another book I that my mom that did book. not I want me to read. When I was 12. Well, and I remember reading mm. it as, you know, probably around that same age. So as parents, what kind of what kind of control do parents have in terms of what their kids check out from libraries? Absolutely. Um, so parents are able, they can go into the library website they can look around. They can see what kind of books are in there. They can search for any of the books. They can go in under their child's um, login. So each child has a login. They can go in and they can look at their history. They can see what's been checked out. Um, that things. They can have a conversation with me um, and I can put restrictions um, it's a, it's a little harder because the computer won't automatically restrict it, but I can put in notes that say, like, don't check out um, certain themes or okay. certain books or titles um, to this child. And so then I just ask that parent to please just always have that child come to me to check them out. Okay. That way I can see it. It's for their privacy 
So, you know, somebody's not like, oh, I see there's a note here, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes I have students who are my helpers at the desk as well. Right. So and then I would that. like that child just to come to me, and then I right. can check them out. Um, and then I can kind of even see what they're reading, you know? And if they had a book that maybe wasn't, I would just be like, you know what? I think you need to just find something else because this is one of those books. Like, I don't think I don't think it fits with your family. So oh, let's, that's perfect. Let's, that's get, a great let's way find to something it. else. Right. Like, it's so not like they're not feeling uncomfortable or exactly like their their privacy matters to me, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I can just gently say, hey, can you just go pick out something else? I don't think this one will fit in something. And generally, they're happy with that. Like I've had students that I know really well and I know what types of books they'll read. They'll bring something in and I'll be like, hmm. I'm not sure this one is one you want to read, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of parents are super involved, which is fabulous, in um, what their children are reading. And I have a lot of kids who will be like, oh, my mom said I shouldn't read that book right now, like maybe later or even ever, right? I had um, a student whose mom like didn't like The Hunger Games, which is fine, Right. And I told my student, I'm like, I can totally see, mm-hmm. you know, I can see why somebody would like object to that, to that book. Right. And and she was so good about like, yeah, my mom said I shouldn't read it and I'm not going to read it. Oh, right? good. I love that. And then I have another student who's a voracious reader and she loves romance. And obviously her mom's goes on and looks at what books, maybe what new books I have. You can go and look and see on my website. I put a... Oh, you do? I have a list of all the new books that we've bought. Oh, that's good. Um, so anyone can go on it. Links right to Goodreads. So if you wanted to look at the description and then... Reviews, reviews from other people. right there. You can totally see that. Um, that's all on my website. Um, but her mom, she came in one day and she's like, my mom says you just got in these two books. I'm like, I did. And I loved that, right? Like mom was going in and saying, mm-hmm. hey, I think you could read these two and they would be good for you. Like you would like that them. That is fantastic. I was wondering how parents find out what's been purchased by the school, but that's every yeah. every book that's purchased will show up on your website. Yeah. So parents can kind of review yeah. it and stuff. That's really good. Great information. And that's on the school's website, I guess. Yeah. So if you just go to Centennial Junior High and then you go to like parent information, and then you go to Thunder Media Library, I think is what it's titled. You go right there, and it takes you right to um, my website that has lots of different links. So you can see um, the wakelet that I made that has all the new books. So when I get new books, I put put them right on there so any parent can go in and look. I don't think anyone has this year. Um, But but, they definitely have access to it. But they have access to it. And there's also access to the library catalog from there as well. Oh, that's good. So they can go in and they can hit that and they can look at And see all the books. All the books that I have, yeah. What about the books in the library that are not necessarily checked out but just the kids have access to? Because I know they don't check everything out and they have time sometimes to go in and just pull books off the shelf. Yes. Is there any type of supervision? I mean, you can't. Mm, It's impossible to babysit everybody, I'm sure. That's a really good question, but actually... No. Okay. Um, but I find if they're pulling off a book, it's normally in the graphic novels section, which graphic novels just means they're like comic books. Oh, okay. Um, right? Um, and I try to be super careful with that section just because it's pictures, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we had a situation even this year where I had purchased The Librarian of Auschwitz, and I I always flip through all of the pages of a graphic novel because I'm looking for any kind of nudity, right? Like, I don't want anything like that. And it did 
it had a picture and it was historical. It was women in, you know, being um, like going into the chambers to like be showered down or whatever. And, you know, some are like hiding themselves or whatever, but there was full frontal nudity, even though, you know, they don't look good or anything like that. Right. Right. I just decided that that wasn't something to put into our library. And so we sent it back. Okay. See, so that's your decision, pretty yeah, much. Able, yeah, you're able yeah. to make well, that decision. And my that's great. And see, here's the thing: my committee had said, "Okay, yeah, that sounds like a good book," but we didn't know about that the picture. That picture. Mm-hmm. So I went through to make good. sure because I never put it on the shelf with a graphic novel before making sure. And um, and then I let my committee know, "Hey, I found this. I'm going to take it off." And they were like, "Okay, that's really good." How do you screen for uh, written? Descriptive, I mean, right, descriptive, descriptive, yes. So, violence, right? Well, I guess you can see the reviews on most books, but yes. So, my process for looking for books to put into the library often starts with you know, what's new, what's coming up. Um, I try to follow a lot of authors, um, middle grade authors, especially because that's our you know, middle grade area um, and see what's coming up and what's new. I look at um, who's getting starred reviews. So there's six publications in the book world and they will give reviews. And okay. the starred reviews means those are the best of the best, right? So I look for those. Um, and then once I have like a list of books that I'm looking at, then I go through and I look for reviews about them. I go to Common Sense Media. I go look through the Amazon reviews. I look through the Goodread reviews because we get different people, different types of reviews. Um, If there's ever like uh, on Goodread, sometimes like people have a question and other people who have read the book can answer it. I always look at the questions to see if anybody has asked, how is this book? I use a blog called Kiss the Book, which is um, a librarian here in our state further south of us. And um, she has a bunch of librarians, and they actually tell a lot about what's in the book, so you can That's get a great. feel for it, right? Um, I just try to you, look you for books within that, you know, when that within that age range, you know, what's going to be appropriate for them. Um, I was say, how do you handle special requests? Because okay. That's a really good question. So I love to fulfill a kid's request for a book. Um, But I had had, um, a girl ask for a book this year. And I've had kids ask for books. Like I had a kid ask for Stephen King once. And, you know, he's pretty, I mean, those are adult books, right? Like those are adult characters and older. And so I told him, you know, those are really adult books. I'm not going to, I can't put them in the library, but I bet you could go to the public library and maybe find some there. So occasionally there's a topic or it's just an older book. It's just meant for an older person, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I've got junior high. So Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get that. I really try um, and be careful with that, you know. Like every request doesn't get fulfilled. That that's great though, but there is a path to request. Absolutely, if, if parents want to. Oh and yes, then, for parents as well. For parents, okay. And, and it would go through my kids. whole process. Like okay. I would look at that title, and then I would try and decide: is that appropriate for the kids? Is it more adult? Is it too young? You know, like where is it? Where does that fit? But and we have to remember too: in the junior high, I have seventh graders 
mm-hmm. right? So they're pretty young, and some of them are even younger. So I'm I'm looking at books that maybe even fifth, sixth grade, sometimes for my seventh graders, right? Or maybe easier for because we have a varying degree of how well kids read, right? right? Exactly. And then I have ninth graders who are ready for a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're looking for a little bit more. So I'm trying to balance that the needs of all of these students in my collection, trying to make sure that I'm having things for my my readers who are a little bit more mature and need something a little bit, but also having things for the for younger kids. My younger and- students as well so it's really it is tricky that would be a really tricky job i would assume that you you talk amongst your your peers absolutely all the time and we're always talking about like what did you get that you liked um that your students are liking i think the the amount of people who actually looked at my wakelet because it'll tell me in the um how many people has probably been other librarians because we like talk about oh that's great i got this book and my students really seem to like it those kinds of things, right? That's, this has been interesting because I thought that the way the library worked for the schools is that someone would order a book and it would go to all the schools. Oh, you no. You know, all the junior highs would have the same exact books. All the grade schools, you know, mm. would have the same the same libraries. But that's not the case, apparently. Not at all. Which is kind it, of interesting and great. Yeah. Because it's based upon kind of needs within your area, I guess. Exactly. It's the needs of our community. So mm. our community might have different needs from maybe um, a community in Layton, right? I don't have a lot of um, different language books, but another community might need more That's Spanish true. books or um, whatever. Does, does that make sense? That makes right? a lot of sense. Or right? they might even have books themed differently, differently right? Because they're, they're building for their community. Okay. So the beauty of having a certified librarian in your library is that she's or he (laughs) is um looking at your community and trying to buy the best books for your community and your students to read as far as i I heard that there was a meeting at the school district uh the the school board had a meeting i think it was last night maybe talking about books and 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 um and how that should be handled moving forward so the book list that you have as librarians, does it get to the school board or is, does it only get to the school board if something's controversial? I think it only gets to the school okay. board if it's like challenged. Challenged. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just wondered how that process went, if they reviewed everything yeah. or how involved they are. That would be a lot to review. That would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because okay. I buy prob- probably, gosh, I don't even know. I should have, I should have pulled that statistic, but I probably bought um like... 300, 400 books this year. Really? You know, so I buy a lot of books in a year. And sometimes, like this year, um, our students in eighth grade do a um, a project with the Holocaust and the Anne Frank Diary, right? So they're doing a Holocaust project. So I bought um, $1,000 worth of books just that were all um, multi-use online informational this year they were probably about a a hundred maybe 80 books really that's great so you know for that use so that they could research and write about yes but it's multi-use so Mm -hmm. everybody can get on the same book if they needed oh nice okay which is kind of nice not every online book is like like that but i did was able to like purchase a bunch of these things so like the the amount of books 
like, so my counterparts aren't necessarily buying, buying those books, right? So the amount of books that they would have to look at. Would be such a huge list. I can't imagine. I can't like, imagine Like, they could either. do anything else in their job. Right? <laughs> Absolutely, right. right. Well, so they have certified librarians. To rely on. To rely on. That's true. Because we've been trained, and hopefully we know how to do that job, right? And you do the job so well. And it's frustrating when there are people who who take things and try try to challenge them for for various reasons. So well and there's a lot of differing opinions th- about th- something that you know somebody might consider just mentioning a word to be sensitive materials, mm-hmm. right? True. But just mentioning it doesn't make it pornography, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a lot of difference in how people approach it's true. This. It's true. And I think that sometimes people are trying to make a point. And I don't know all the details in terms of what's happening in the Davis School District. Where, um, well, we're making news. We are making news <laughs> nationally. I have yes. cousins that live in North Carolina. And they sent me news pieces and said, what in the world is going on in your county? Yeah. Again. And I said, oh, my um, it's it's really long and complicated. So it is long. Do you and want to talk about it just briefly? Um, or yeah, you know, I really appreciate that our district has a policy in place. They've always had a policy in place. They just kind of strengthened it um, with the sensitive materials laws that were passed um, before this last year uh, school year. We would have a challenge committee at at each school if that had ever and I had never had anything challenged before um, until last year when when parents started challenging different books Um, and then now the district does that on a district level which is nice because they've had a lot of books and now that's something that I don't have to worry about as much as far as getting those books and getting those committees together okay. and, the and getting and... the books and then making sure that all happens correctly but every book that's challenged goes through this same process where a committee will look at it and the first thing they do is they look at what the parents objections are so you, they need to be very specific page numbers those kind of things like what is what are the objections and then the committee decides first does that um violate the sensitive materials law like just looking at those portions of the book and if they say yes then the book comes off everybody's shelves okay if they say no then everybody has to everybody on the committee then will read the book um and then they're looking at a much larger list of like does this book have value does you know, so we're not, we're following what's called a bright line rule. Okay. In that first, does this book contain sensitive materials? You know, does it violate the law? And we just just by getting rid of anything that may violate the law. Th- that's really obvious. Right. Okay. Right. And then you would read it to see, like, does this have value? Does it, you know, teach a lesson? And and that's really subjective. I was going to say, that is hard. what has value to me may not have value to you. Mm-hmm. And if you, a lot of our challenges, something that's frustrating to me is just that our, a lot of our challenges are parents who um, haven't necessarily read the whole book. They've heard and s- about it maybe or seen a couple of words. Yes, yes. They've gone online and they've seen like people hate this book and now it has these things in it, but they haven't gone in and read it. 
it changes your perspective a little bit when you read the whole thing because authors are putting things into books that are relevant to their story. To the lesson. Yes, exactly. To what they want to say about something. Um, And it's really important to not assume the worst. Sometimes I think they're assuming the worst in a book. But if you read the whole book, you would go, oh, I can see the value in that. Right? So that's what they do. Then they go through, they read the whole book. The committee will discuss it, decide if it has value and if it stays. And, And to what? portion does it stay does it come off of elementary you know anything in that elementary hasn't really had anything challenged okay um because mostly putting that in their elementary right Mm -hmm. junior high and high school high school the most um you know is that book in the library can it stay in the junior high does it have to go maybe it should go up just to the high school those kinds right, of things. Right, based upon maturity and, yeah, and yeah. content. And the and, content. Okay. Yeah. What, what really is the content? Is it's interesting to find out the process. I appreciate you explaining that because, you know, I hear snippets on the news thinking, okay, and in my mind I'm thinking, oh, well, there was some sort of pornography in the library. Right, and it sounds horrible. <laughs> and, and it sounds oh, horrible. I just want to get out all the pornography Exactly, in the and you wonder how in the world did it end up there. But then there, from what I've heard is that some of those keywords that would be associated with pornography are also found in other books right. that have nothing to that do with pornography. That have no um, salaciousness exactly. about them, right. right? The intent, the content, yes. the lessons are completely different. Exactly, yes. And they're also being challenged. Yes. Based upon those keyword searches, the yes. content, I'm not sure. Well, and and parents are comfortable with different things, right? Like I tell my students, I don't read horror. I'm not comfortable with it, right? So, so parents may not be comfortable with even the mention of a word, but that doesn't mean you have the right to keep that from right. everybody else, especially exactly. when it's not sensitive materials, True. right? Um, so there's options in the library. You can come to me. We can have a conversation. Um, we can talk about titles of books maybe you don't want your child to read, and I can put that in there. And, and, and that's a parental responsibility and privilege absolutely. and duty and all of those things. Yes. To be able to go in. Yes. And oh, have those absolutely. conversations with you. Have, have these, and we can do it by email. Let's mm-hmm. have conversations so I know what you as a family want. And then have those conversations with your children that's the as key well too. so that they know what you're comfortable with. Ask them what they're reading. Right. You know, um, if you're unsure about it, maybe read it too. So then you can talk about it. Like Read it together even. Exactly. That's, like you mentioned, when I was mentioning Catcher in the Right, you're right. As a, as a kid, I had no idea what it was about, but my right. mom just said, oh, you can't read this. We never had the conversation of what she thought was inappropriate about it. And, and that's, you know, years ago, but but hopefully we've evolved past that and we're having conversations with our children and we're Absolutely. explaining this is why it's not appropriate for you at your age or your time in life or just for our family right, to be right. reading that. We just don't feel like that aligns mm-hmm. with our family views right. or the things that we want you putting in your brain. Like there's all kinds of things. Right. But to but there's other people on the other side who are like, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm fine with that. And I want my child to read these books. You may even ask your child, what drew you to that book? You know, what what about this book made you want to read it? Um, you know, there's lots of conversations that we can have around books if we're involved with what our children are actually reading. I am kind of curious. So we talked about 
uh, types of books that aren't appropriate. Obviously, pornography is not appropriate. Right. When I think of pornography, I guess I'm thinking pictures. Yeah. I realize there's written pornography as well. I can't even imagine what types of books would be allowed in a school, just really on any level that would be pornographic. Is it just if they have sexual content? Does that consider yes. pornography? Um, okay. So... I mean, sexual content so, of any kind, alluding to an affair or alluding to a right. But sometimes some parents feel like situation. That, yeah, like a okay. like a rape, a maybe. right? Um, I mean, and it's it, it depends, right? Like some parents say that's sexual content, and we don't want it in the library. Some are even like, if I have a book with an LGBTQ character, like they're not talking about anything that that's happening, like the. But, but the daughter has, the girl, the main character has two moms or maybe is questioning her own and has a little crush, okay. right? Like we're not talking about talking about sexual behavior all the time, right? We're just saying um, some people are uncomfortable with that and some people aren't. So would a book like that fall under? No, unless okay. it had actual sexual content. Okay, unless it has descriptive yes. sort of language in yes. there. Yes. Okay. Like they're describing mm -hmm. different that things. Okay. Sexual act. But right? they can talk about the subject. It can be yes. about people. Yes. Okay, that's interesting. But, but, and that's hard, isn't it? But right, but do you see how mm -hmm. tricky it is? Because yeah, there's some who would feel like that's sexualizing children, right? Mm -hmm. There and there's some who would okay feel or... like that. Yes. And then there's others who are like, I'm totally good with that. I want my kids to have access right. to those types of books. So that's where it comes into having a conversation with your le your local librarian mm -hmm. and saying, this is what we're comfortable with. And can you help us guide guide the child? Like, So if the right. child comes in and says, um, I need a book to read, like my process is, what are you interested in? What kind of things do you like? What kind of movies have you watched that you liked? Because that often helps me to see like what type of book maybe. And then I'll be, they'll say, oh, I really want something that's going to make me cry. Like I can't tell you how many times I really? get that. Like, they want to feel something. There's a lot of kids who really like all the feels. I'm okay. like, okay, so you want all the feels. Let's get you something that can that can do that. And then I'll walk through like, that would probably be in the realistic fiction section. I'll walk through and I'll say, oh, here's a really good book. This is what it's about. And I'll set it on top of the shelf. And then we'll walk a little bit further. Oh, you might like this one. Set it on top of the shelf. Tell them what it's about, right? So I'm doing little book talks as we mm -hmm. walk around the shelves. And then I'll say, does something look interesting to you? And they'll probably say, oh, yeah, I'm going to take that one. You know, okay. and then they choose which one they want. Based upon and your options. Off, and... Yes, based upon options, and off they go. You know, it's interesting that, well, I was just curious. I had a thought as you were explaining that of kids wanting to, to make, they want to feel something. You know, yeah. I want something to make me cry. Has During your, your years as a, as a librarian, have you noticed the interest in books changing? You know, just the types of books that kids are attracted to changing as we've gone through the pandemic, as we've gone through different stages in the economy, I guess, just in family relationships? Um, I don't know if I've noticed that change so much as I've noticed, because I've been a reader my whole life. I started reading when I was four, and I've read extensively That's since fantastic. then. Right? Um, but the types of books that kids like have changed over the years. So a lot of parents and grandparents will be like, oh, you should read this book. Mm -hmm. They don't want to read it. The Boxcar Children. Yes. I love or that. Or Betsy Tacy. Mm -hmm. Or even Little House on the Prairie, which I love those as was well. Was a favorite. Anne of Green Gables. Anne of Green that. Gables. And I still have a few kids who who will attempt Anne of Green Gables. But 
think about the language and how it's used, mm-hmm, that's right? True. And the pacing. So I'm noticing that kids are liking books that are paced at a little faster rate. But look at our movies. Like I love old black and whites. Like anytime I can watch an old movie, mm, you love I'm it. all over it, right? But if you look at them, they're slower. They are true, right? They're slower. They're paced slower. The plot might be slower in developing and stuff, but I have noticed, and I think it's just part of like technology and our movies and the other things that they're consuming media-wise, that they need faster pace stuff. It needs to get to the action a little bit faster. Yeah, our attention spans are shorter, and um, it's reflective in a lot of things. So when a parent's like, I just don't understand why you don't have all of these great classics that I read, right? Because your kids don't want to read them. Mm -hmm. That's why we don't have them, you know? And I do have a small classic section that I have kept. Like I've got the Anna Green Gables books and some Jane Austen, but the language is hard. It is. It's true. Right? And and it requires a little bit more work. It does. And sometimes you just want a beach read. Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes a kid will say, I just want something kind of fun and easy to read. And I'm like, you want a beach read? I right. totally got you. I know some books like that, right? Like, I I don't want necessarily a hard theme. But I've also had kids come in and say, I'd like something about, like, immigration. Oh, or I'd like something about social justice. Really? Um, in junior high. That's, yeah. That gives me hope. That's great. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I have a student who read just about everything I have this last year that are in, that would be in those categories like of, of social justice. Like I want to read about that, right? Mm-hmm. So that was something that was interesting to him and he wanted to read. You know, as people or kids are interested in different things that in terms of social experiences, social justice, and also studying the Holocaust, potentially is there a potential for those types of books being banned under based upon what's happening? Well, I think we see that in other states, right? Hopefully it won't happen here. Right. But I do see it as like a slippery slope. Like I I do worry because when you start to to say, well, these ones can't be, right? Mm -hmm. But then maybe I don't want my kids to read this because now I'm going to label it something else. Instead of just a book about immigration, it's CRT and it's going to make my kid feel bad. Right. Right. And so so if we start to get to that point, we could really be limiting a lot of potential books that just give a different experience. Like my experience has been different than your experience. Right. In life. Right. Uh right? Because we're different people. And um, to say that somebody else's experience is wrong or I don't want my kid to learn about it. Right. Like that's. That's not, that's unfortunate it, it because is, that will not allow your child to learn empathy and understanding for other people's experiences. True. I have a really good friend who's um, married to a Native American, and her children are um, Native American, look Native American, and she mentioned once that because her own experience is different, when her children would come to her with concerns about things that had occurred to them because they're Native American that she would sometimes um, be like, oh, I think you just misunderstood. Or, oh, I because her experience was different, right? Mm-hmm. We all have differing experiences. And I think when we, when we when say we certain experiences aren't allowed to be learned about, then we never grow from that, right? Like, it's true. I'm not going to understand my neighbor down the street as well if I can't read something right. about them and about their context. experience. 
You know, as a little kid, I we grew up in Utah County, and I remember going to the library, and there were no books about Asian children. I'm mm-hmm. adopted. I have a sister that's adopted from Korea, and we there were no books in the library. I don't even know if that's changed now. It has. Has it? Okay, that's good, because I just remember thinking, this is really weird. Do, do people that are Korean not write books, and are there books not written about Asian American children? And so I love the fact that you have the ability to curate the library based upon the community. Yes. And we are trying to curate a collection that will share experiences, right? So I may have a small amount of Black students or a small amount of Asian students or a small amount of Hispanic students, but I am looking for books that will also help my students to see others. So um, Rudine Sims Bishop came up with the terms windows, mirrors, and doors for books. So books can be windows, or let's start with mirrors. Books can be mirrors where I can see myself and my own experience, right, which is super important for kids to be able to see. Or they can be windows where I'm looking into somebody else's experience or even doors where I can open that door and be a part of somebody else's experience. And then those are powerful. And those are the books our kids are really looking for. They're looking to understand the world around them. They're looking to have all the feels. I love that. Windows, mirrors, and doors. Windows, mirrors, and doors. I'm going to write that down. Tina, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time. In addition to being the Centennial Librarian, you are also a member of the Youth Court not administration, but, but you're one of the youth court advisors. Yes. And I really appreciate just from a city perspective what you do. Can you tell us a little bit about youth court? Yes, I love youth court. Um, I've been involved now. My, I've had several children do it in the past. And then um, the, the lawyer who runs it, Kim Smith, she um, wanted me to help her. And, Kim's great and too. so um, I started becoming like her helper. So just one of the advisors. So the youth court is a program for kids who are having like their first offense mm-hmm. um, to come to us and instead of going into the juvenile system. So we get things, sometimes we get things pretty minor, like um, breaking curfew and um, which a lot of kids don't know that mm-hmm. it you know, actually exists. Yeah. There's that a lot. breaking curfew is a thing. So be home by 12. Um <laughs> right. It is a big deal. <laughs> uh, vandalism or trespassing. But then we also have like drug use. Um, uh, they can come to us first, like maybe for marijuana, um, vaping, those kinds of things. Stealing from the Stealing gas station. Stealing from the gas station. So our last year we had the most things were either like shoplifting or um, vaping. Vaping. THC. Yeah. So... Um, That's, you know, it's better for them to come to us than Uh to go to juvenile court. Right. And they can avoid a misdemeanor. Yes. And a juvenile record, which is fantastic. And they get an opportunity to rub shoulders with some of the best kids in our community. It's true. Like, these kids are absolutely amazing. And they're changing people's lives by the things that they do. So when a kid comes into youth court for an offense, um, we have... Our judges, who are all ninth to twelfth grade, um, they'll hear the case. You have to plead guilty 
you know, so mm-hmm. in order to in order to come to be to part of the court, program. So you you plead guilty, but then we have a series of things that we require. So community service because giving back to the community because even though you may feel like it doesn't harm you, there are ways or harm the community. There are ways that the community is harmed. So mm-hmm. we give back with community service. They have to come in for peer counseling for three weeks, which we do some scared straight videos and we do some really cool choice type activities where they have to make choices or they learn about the choices and how that will affect their lives. Um, Peer tutoring if they need it so they can bring in their homework and we can help get these kids maybe um, up to speed in some of their classes. Um, So we help them with that and... I, I love the fact else. that it's 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 a confidential program, so Absolutely. so kids just know that even though they might see some of these kids at school, the kids are not going to talk about them. They're right. not going to discuss what's happened, and they're just some great mature kids who are really wanting to be good examples. Yeah. Oh, and each one of them will mentor. So each child who comes in, mm-hmm. um, you have to be under eighteen. Each child who comes in as an offender then gets mentored by one of our youth court judges. who this last year, the mentoring was so amazing to watch. Like they would go out with them and do their community service. Like they were trying to befriend them and show them a different way. We had one really kind of rough case. And I just, for me, I, I, my hope was when she was finished with this, that she would see that there could be a different type of life. Like she could choose differently. Um, And I hope I hope that is the case for her, like at some point that she can say, oh, I remember those kids at youth court and um, I can choose something different. And hopefully eventually she she will. But we see some hard things like these Mm -hmm. kids see some hard things. And if you think hard things are not happening in our community, you're wrong. They're happening in our community. And there's some really rough things that a lot of these kids hadn't didn't know about, didn't see a lot of poverty and drug addiction Mm -hmm. and families that are abuse. Yes. All those things that are occurring, homelessness, like there's, right. you know, we have that in our community. Sadly, we do. And we also have outstanding people who are willing to step up and, and try to make a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's why Youth Court is, or Youth Court is such a, a neat program. And we are so grateful to you. I love for it. For participating. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a big time ask for you. It's a d- big, it's big deal. It's been a big commitment. It's a big commitment. But I do like that feeling that I'm giving back to my community, that I'm involved in my community, yeah. um, and just helping these kids. You know? Well, I think it's neat that you're at the junior high. Because they're going to come into the library like they would a therapist's office a lot of times, I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. these, you know, kids come in and they talk. There are so many reasons why someone might go to the library. Sometimes they're lonely. Sometimes they just need a friend. Sometimes they just need a great book. Right, but right. All of those all things. Of those and things so are we important. worked, I work really hard to make my library a, um, a place for all of my students, for like all of my students. Like I want every student to feel comfortable and to find something in the library that, um, they can help, even if it's just a smile from me and a hi, what can I do for you today? Yeah. Just someone that cares about them. Yeah. Tina, you are fantastic. Thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks for letting me. It's this really was super fun. It's really good to get to know you. I appreciate Thanks. everything that you've done and are doing for Thank the you. kids. Thanks. A lot of them will look back on their life and remember you and I hope so. Know all the goodness that they learned from you. So thank you. Appreciate you. 
To all my podcast listeners, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Please leave comments and please leave suggestions for future guests. And most importantly, subscribe. Thank you.